Welcome to Bible study. Uh, good to see everybody tonight. Glad you're here. Uh, we're going to open our time in prayer and just ask God's blessing uh, as we have gathered. Father, thanks for your presence here. We thank you that you meet with us. We've gathered in the name of Jesus. Uh, here you are in our midst, and we thank you for that. We ask that you would lead us, guide us, empower us. We pray for your Holy Spirit to have his way among us. Ask God that we be responsive to you, have open ears, and really an open heart, open mind to receive what you want to say tonight. Uh, we ask for revelation, understanding, and pray you'd speak. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to open up to Genesis chapter 40 if you need a Bible. Uh, they're available on the tables. And you can feel free to grab one to use during time here. Also, if you need a Bible, you can also feel free to take that with you. We obtain Bibles to give away, so anyone that needs a Bible, please take one with you. Also, we will just want to take a moment to remind you that uh, we do have an interactive feature with the Bible study uh, through uh, a website called www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study. It's all one word. Uh, if you are one of our podcast listeners and you would like to interact with us, go to that website and you can toggle a button and leave us a message. It could be a question, comment. Uh, it could be something that you'd like some clarification on. It could be just saying hi. We'd just love to hear from you and we'll endeavor to play your message during... One of our meetings, been good to hear from some of you over the time that we've been doing this. And if you'd like to be a repeat and uh, contact us again, that'd be great. We'd love to hear from you and hear what's going on where you're at. So take advantage of that. I'm going to open to Genesis chapter 40. I need a volunteer to read verse 8. Genesis 40 and verse 8. All right, thanks. Uh, this is uh, during, give some background on this. Uh, this is uh, during a time when Joseph is in prison. And so he is joined in prison by a couple of guys that, depending on what version of the Bible that you have, it might say that it is the chief baker and the chief butler or the chief cupbearer or whatever your particular version says. But these are two officials that... Uh, were close to Pharaoh at the time, and he had become angry at both of them and had put them in prison. So they were in prison when Joseph was in prison. Joseph had been somewhat assigned to them. Uh, he was, by any account or any understanding of the way things worked back then, their servant. And so he was doing whatever he was doing to serve them. And there they were in prison, and they were both given a dream on the same night and it was a disturbing dream that both of them had. And so they mentioned that they'd had this dream and that there was no one there to interpret it. So Joseph then makes his statement and offers to interpret the dream. So that's where we're at. And I thought it was interesting that Joseph uh, had compassion, at least enough to uh, offer for these guys, and the other thing that, that kind of struck me about it was that uh, more than just being in prison, the dreams really bothered them. 
uh, enough that they would say something. Because you look at their situation, I mean, they're in prison already. And that could be considered a pretty bad situation. Uh, I wouldn't want to be in prison. You know, I wouldn't want to be in jail or anything like that. And yet there they were. They had somehow uh, made Pharaoh angry at them, and they ended up in prison, ended up in jail, and there they were. But something about dreams that they had disturbed them enough that they would bring that up in, in the midst of wherever they were at there. And it kind of struck me that dreams can have that effect. Now, as, as I was getting ready for tonight, or I was looking over what I was going to do for tonight, I received a message uh, from our missionary in Thailand. Uh, she, it's the middle of the night there because it was the middle of the afternoon here, early <laughs> afternoon here. And she wrote me and asked me if I could pray for her because she had just woken up and was having this really bad dream. So I thought it was kind of interesting that you know, I was kind of working on a dream teaching and, and she had written me just to say she hadn't been, she described the dream, she was being chased, all this kind of typical bad dream stuff, if you know what I'm talking about. And somebody was chasing her and they were out to get her and she couldn't run fast enough. I hate those dreams too. Like, they're, like if you're running and, and it seems like you can't run, yeah, you're like you're slow motion or you keep falling down. I don't know if that ever, you ever get those dreams. I hate that. And so it's so frustrating, you know, over and over again, the same things happen. Then you wake up and you try to go back to sleep and then you have to start up the same dream again or you continue on. It just, I don't know, it's, it's maddening. Anyway, so she had gotten up to uh, and just texted me to see if I could pray for her, uh, mainly because she probably knew I wasn't like working somewhere, you know, at a regular job. And so she uh, texted me to see if I could pray for her, so I did and... Now, she texted once it was evening or once it was morning there. She texted and said the rest of the night was okay. So, cool. But it struck me, though, how disturbing dreams can be. It just it struck me that that she would even, even in her case, she would get up in, in the middle of the night to message me over it and, and ask for help. And, and these two guys in prison already with Pharaoh angry at them and yet a dream could disturb them enough that that's what was occupying their thought and occupying their conversation. Now Joseph had compassion on them. I'm going to have you read a couple of verses. Let's look at Romans 12:15. Volunteer to read Romans 12:15 and a volunteer to read Philippians 2:4. Romans 12:15, Philippians 2:4. Thank you. Next verse. All right, thanks. So if you look at these two verses and they speak of our disposition toward the people that are around us. And we live in a world that people less and less really care about each other. And I want to encourage us, because I'm including myself in that, I want to encourage us that we would care about the people that are around us. That we would have a sensitivity to people that 
maybe aren't happy or maybe are going through something or maybe are sad or maybe are emotional for some reason or maybe just need someone to care and just be aware of that. Uh, I've found the beginning of some really good relationships started with just caring, just asking a question just inquiring if somebody's okay or if everything's all right and being willing to listen just for a couple minutes because that can make a difference in somebody's life. As Christians, we have a life in us and for us to walk around like we're dead on the inside isn't doing anybody any favors, including ourselves. And so I just want to encourage you that, you know, Joseph's a good example of somebody that just have some compassion. I mean, Joseph had his own problems, right? I mean, he's in prison. He's uh, falsely accused. Pharaoh's angry at him. I mean, the most powerful person in the whole land was angry at him. Same as these guys. And so there they were, the three of them. I mean, I guess they could have commiserated about it. But they, these two guys, they obviously were in distress because they had these dreams and so Joseph offered to help. He had compassion. Even though helping them likely wasn't going to help his situation. It may have ended up helping his situation, but I don't think he really, he thought about that when he offered to help. I think he, it was just, here's fellow prisoners, here's two guys that are in, in jail with me. They seem to be upset. What can I do to help? And so they, they told him what was going on. And it says that something, the dreams had saddened. And that word saddened has a root in the word anxious. And so the, the dreams had saddened the butler and the baker, or the cupbearer and the baker. That's what had happened. And so they, they were sad. They were physically, obviously, emotionally sad. Uh, it was something that could be seen, or you could say they were anxious. And so something about those dreams made them anxious because they didn't understand them. They, they didn't know what they meant. They were disturbing in their nature. If you read the dreams, you can see that there were certain things about those dreams that were disturbing images in them. And you can feel free to read that while I'm talking. But there were disturbing images in the dreams, and so they were disturbed. They were anxious by it. And so Joseph's answer to them is kind of interesting, and this is where the instructive part of this comes in is the way that he answers them. And the first part of his answer to them is this. He says that no person can tell what dreams mean. And, and I find that interesting because there's plenty, plenty of people that try to tell what dreams mean. In Egypt, I mean, where he was at that time, I mean, there were people trained in that. You can see a reference to that in uh, Genesis 41.8. They, they, they bring reference to those that are trained in whatever it was in dream interpretation that, that they did in the land there. And they saw it in two different ways. They saw dream interpretation as a science, meaning it was something you needed to study, but they also saw dream interpretation as magic, and it was something you also practiced. So they had both sides of that in Egypt at the time, and so they had, they, they had brought it down to this is something that we consider important, and Whatever their ways were, they had decided this is the best way to go about it. So how scientific it was, I doubt it was. But in their mind, and in, the, in their culture, and the way that they did things, 
it was scientific and so you went to school and you learned how to do it the other side of it being magic was a certain amount having to do with what the, the way that they believed and the way they saw the world and the way that they understood the world as a spiritual place and so you have both sides of that you had what they were considered the science side, but you also had the spiritual side of it, and people had to be trained in both. And so there were people in Egypt that tried to interpret dreams. Now, Joseph, by saying this, he was drawing a distinction because he knew that, what I just said to you. He knew that there were people specifically trained to do it. He knew there were people that were set aside and were trusted in order to interpret dreams. He knew that. But he was making a statement that is a statement of truth in the midst of whatever else that they believed. And the statement of truth was that no person can tell what dreams mean. So in other words, what he's trying to say is, is that even though all of these systems or whatever systems are set up to interpret dreams from these people, that's not how it works. And he's making a statement here of truth where he's saying that God alone is able to know what dreams mean. That's what he's trying to say. And so he's drawing a contrast between what he's about to offer to help and what they would normally be looking for. Because both of them, because they were higher up in Pharaoh's household, they had access to these people. They had access to the, the people who studied it, the people who were practicing these magic arts, being able to interpret dreams. So they had access to both those people, but being in prison unless there happened to be one of them in prison, which there wasn't, they didn't have access to anybody. And so they were just stuck there with whatever their dream was, and it was disturbing them and giving them anxiety. So they were used to a certain thing, and yet Joseph was saying, well, and, and I want you to hear him saying this. He gives them a word of truth. He says, well, only God does this. And he says that before he offers to help, really. He's like, here it is. This is what I believe this is what I, I know to be the truth, and that is only God knows this kind of stuff. No person can do this. And he gives them that statement. He gives them that truth. And, and, and implied in that is the vanity of trying to expect such things from people. The vanity of expecting that people are going to be able to deal with whatever it is that needs to be dealt with on that level of what they were looking for. And as we travel and we go places, uh, whether it be West Africa, North Africa, uh, China, it, it could be other parts of the Middle East and different things, places that we've been able to go to, you see the vanity of people trying to replace or trying to somehow make up for God not being a part of the processes of their lives. It is vain where Tom lives in West Africa. They, there's whole ceremonies involved in trying to appease spirits, whole ceremonies involved in, so people can get well from sicknesses, whole ceremonies involved where, so that people can, can live and, and, be, uh, and have some type of abundance in their life and be successful at school or whatever it would be. And so 
they have their beliefs and they follow their beliefs and some involve dead chickens, some involve dead pigs, some involve whatever animal you want to think of and it involves a hierarchy of priests and people that participate in that and money that has to be paid out and ceremonies that have to be performed and all of these things in the vain attempt to bring about something that is not in the purview of man to affect. And, and that's what happens over and over and over again. And every culture has those kind of things. I grew up in South Carolina. It's my home. And we had certain superstitions that we followed for whatever reasons. And they were attempts at whatever. They were attempts at to affect whatever. You know, some of you know the story when I was young, when I was a child, I had warts on my hands, and I couldn't get rid of them. And so we went to the doctor, and they couldn't get rid of them. They kept trying to treat them, and every time they treated one, like five would appear. It was craziness, and, and they just wouldn't go away. I, I, to the point, I had to go into the hospital. I had surgery on my hands to remove all of them. But there were too many for me to be awake for the procedure, and they all came back, all of them. And so my family, trying to deal with this over the years, they had brought me to this woman that I knew as Nellie. She's, she's a friend of the family. And she would speak over the warts, and she would rub them with coins. And then she would instruct me to throw the coin onto the, on the street and so whoever would pick it up, <coughs> excuse me, whoever would pick it up would get the warts, all right? Superstitions. We're in the Philippines. <coughs> Students were buying these eggs. And those of you who have ever been to the Philippines, have ever heard of balut? What balut is? <coughs> they're eggs that are taken, they originally were duck eggs, the real balut is duck egg, but they take chicken eggs and they bury them in the earth for a certain number of days so that they incubate. And so after X number of days, you can buy the balut. So you can have 15-day balut, 16-day balut, 18-day balut, whatever. It goes to a certain amount of balut days. But what that really means to us is that when you go to eat the egg, that the little chicken there is more developed because it incubates over the time. And so what happens is, is that during exam time, students, because we were working on universities while we were there, they buy up balut during exam time because they believe that eating the balut makes you smarter. Right? So they, they order it up and eat it. So the Balut guy has good business during exam time because they're going to eat this stuff because it's supposed to make them smart. Now, I had one only because I, I was there. So I gave it a shot. I didn't feel any smarter. <laughs> I have to report. I did not feel any smarter, but it was kind of a, a weird experience <laughs> just eating it because it's, it's just weird. But cultures have their own superstitions, and we try to affect things 
We try to explain things. We try to make things change or make things happen. We try and understand things that are hard to understand or things that aren't explained by other means. We, we try to, to, to work things out that really are, are difficult for us to work out. I can remember when uh, I was a student at Fredonia, and this is the last story I'll tell for now, but I was a student at Fredonia, and we would have, we had a community right near Fredonia, New York, uh, called Lilydale, and it's a nice little sleepy community outside of Casadega, New York, and it's their own thing. Like, they have their own post office, and they have their own fire department, and it's their community. But it's a community of mediums and spiritists. And so they, people go there from all over and they'll have meetings and they'll talk to dead people for people because they want to connect with relatives or whatever it is. And so this community, I used to work at a place that would just oversaw it. And so uh, the only story I'll tell about this is they would come on campus every now and then and they refer to their practitioners as reverends, they, that they're Christian. And so they would come onto our campus every now and then, they would hold a seminar. And, and the seminar in and of itself, I, I don't care what people do generally, uh, but the, in these seminars, it was very deceptive in the sense that uh, the people there would, again, they used the title reverend and they would explain how what they did was completely biblical and all these other things like that. When, in fact, that, that's just not true. It's not. And, and so I, I remember one night I went to one of the meetings and, and I sat through the meeting and I listened. And, and that, that was some of the things that were said. There was a lot more said that I don't, whatever. It doesn't matter now. But at the end of the meeting, they opened up for question and answer, which I was very happy to do. And so I got called on, and, and, they, and all I did was ask one question, and I don't remember the, the reference right this second, but I, I said, now, you believe in the Bible, right? And the woman said, yes. I said, all right. Well, how do you explain? And I quoted a verse from Deuteronomy or somewhere, and it said, if there be a medium or spiritist among you, let them be stoned to death. Their blood is upon their own heads. <laughs> And she freaked on me, which, okay, it was her meeting, but she freaked. Because, number one, I, I don't, I never went to Lilydale with any ill intent, or I never even went there. I don't, I don't, I don't have anything to do with that. I happened to be a student on a campus, and I was involved in a Christian group there. And we have enough trouble with people being confused. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, and so I went and listened to what she had to say, and that was seriously a question I had, and I asked it, and she freaked out, and, I, and I'm not exaggerating at all, it, it, was, it was a meltdown, and when she got done, I got up to leave, and about half the crowd left with me. There was probably 100 people in that room, probably 50 of us left together, because it was so weird, and such a freak out. And, and it's, it's interesting to me that, that we try to fill the gaps somehow when there's really no gaps to fill. 
And it's just human nature to do that. And so uh, my family did. My culture that I grew up in did. The places we go in West Africa do. In the Far East where we've been there. I mean, even a little sleepy town in, in Western New York does. I mean, it's, it, it's human nature that we allow for superstition. And, and that's what was going on here was they wouldn't define it that way, but I know that Joseph probably did because he knew something different. He knew something that was more powerful and something that was real in his life. And so he just proclaimed a truth here. And the truth he proclaimed is that no person can tell what dreams mean. Pretty simple. Pretty simple. No person can tell what dreams mean. And so by doing that, implied in that is seeking God. Seeking God and not man's wisdom. And, and that we need to really begin to take our mind off of those kind of superstitious things. And I don't know where all of you are here tonight as far as what you believe and all of that, but I, I would encourage you to get your mind off of superstition, really. If, you, if you're practicing any, if you're living in any superstition, I mean, it took me a while to really weed through my life and, and really look at all of the superstition that's involved in my life. And some of you will hear me say something every now and then. If you happen to be with me and it's raining outside and the sun's out, I'll say, and I, it's almost involuntary, I'll look at it and I'll say, oh, the devil's whipping his wife. And everybody looks at me like I'm crazy, but that's, how I, that's what I heard every single time when I was growing up, that when the sun's out, and it's raining, the devil's beating his wife, and it's going to rain again the next day. And over time, I had to weed through those things. And so for you, it might not be anything like that because those are really weird, weird things that maybe you've never heard before. It's not really a part of the culture here to talk about things like that, and that's cool, good. But for you, it might be horoscopes or something. That's messed up. Hmm? Fortune cookies. Fortune cookies. I, I don't put as much stock into fortune cookies. <laughs> Those are tasty treats. Well, they're, they are treats. Facebook quizzes. Hmm? Facebook quizzes. Oh, yeah. What is that? Was it, I don't know what it is, though. I don't have Facebook. It tells you stuff about yourself, like oh, okay. what your future going to be, or your destiny. Or really? Yeah, yeah. Which alcohol are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which, why would you get arrested? You know? <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. Which color car are you? I mean, you know. Wow. You're going to die in how? Seriously? Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm not on Facebook, believe it or not. I, I never did. I never did Facebook. I mean, I have Instagram. I am on Instagram. I don't, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I fell asleep like Rip Van Winkle and missed Facebook or something and woke up for Instagram. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. You know, I, I just, uh, so, so whatever it is, and, and you think about it, because I don't, I guess I don't know, but you think about it, it's like to, to begin to weed some of those things out of our life because 
I think they they will sometimes pretend to stand in for something that's real. And I'd rather have the real thing. As I said before, only God knows what dreams mean. So it's not science or magic that's going to tell you that. And I, I sometimes drive at night because I'm either going somewhere or coming back. And so when I'm driving, the, of course, the radio, I have radio in the car, so I'll listen to some things every now and then. And there are these late-night shows that I can't believe are still on the radio that I can remember 30 years ago I'd be driving late at night back from a campus meeting or something, and this same show would be on. And, and I could, whatever it's called, I, I remember sort of. But, and they always have these weird people on. I mean, really weird people like, like, like people that are married to aliens or, or that have, um, I, don't, I don't even know. Like, it's, it's just really weird. And they talk about really weird things. And, and at some points, I just wonder, it's like this sounds completely nuts. And the reason it sounds completely nuts is because it is. And yet there's an audience of people that want to hear it. An audience of people that want to, 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 to find out about it. It's like, like how many years ago they were talking about these, these things called shadow people. You know, what? What? Or they were talking about some other thing or, or this other thing or, or whatever. And it was just, it was so crazy. And yet these, these shows flourish. Because somehow they, they meet some need that people have. Yeah. So I, I have a question because I think that sometimes this might fall under the category too, but you know how people, like they run after certain fads, like they hear that this is the thing, the cure-all, this is, uh, you know, if you eat a million chia seeds in your life, you'll never have another sick day or something. And I kind of feel like that falls under it too. Especially in light of Colossians, where it talks about, you know, they say, do not taste, do not touch, do not handle, and that's the pagans, that's the rules of the pagans, and we live under, you know, a kingdom law, a different law. Mm -hmm. So I think that sometimes people can get distracted by stuff like that, too, under the guise of healthy living. Oh, I think definitely. I think there's a lot of superstition when it comes to some of that, uh, that is... And, and, and I think even by a broad definition of superstition, like unscientific or un... Uh, I, I don't even know how to say it. Not that Not that everything has to be scientific. You know, I, I'm not even trying to say that. But it's somehow... It, it, it appeals to a part of us that we, we want to look at that and say, oh, okay, this is just something that maybe this will work. Or... Or this is the answer. Or I'll feel a lot better if I do this, maybe. Or something. You know, there, there's always that appeal to us. But I think it distracts us from, like in those examples, we have a healer. We do. And, and, and distracting us from the healer is not healthy for us in, in that sense. You know, like spiritually or physically. Or we have a, we have a God who directs us. We have a God who comforts us. We have a God who has said that he would give us wisdom when we need it. We have a God who uh, directs our steps or gives us abundant life or whatever it is we're looking for. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. It'll be given freely, liberally. I mean, you go down a list of things. It's like a lot of the things that we're talking about, they distract us from 
kind of some simple truths that I would see as simple truths in the scriptures. So, uh, you know, as far as the future is concerned, God gives wisdom. He gives vision for the future if we seek him. And, and this is a, and, and I think this is a great kind of jumping off point for that, and that's why I'm trying to use that as a discussion, is that these guys, I mean, they're looking for what? They're looking for an interpretation of a dream. But they have people that do that. But how do they do it? Well, they do it through supposed science, and they do it through magic. But they just didn't have any access to that, and so here they were going to go with God. Well, isn't that true for a lot of things we face? I mean, seriously, how many times have I been overseas? It's like you get close to God when you get sick overseas. All right, because especially when you're not around modern medicine and you're not around any facilities that can help you out, Everybody's close to Jesus right then. I mean, he's the healer. You know, everybody prays over their food. I've noticed mission trips. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it looks dirty. Yeah, it does. looking at you. Yeah. What is that? I don't know. It smells funny. It does. You know. And and you pray over it and you eat it and but, but it, it, kind of, it brings us back to some first things first kind of things. Some basic things that we really do believe. We really do. It's just that I think we get distracted from it in, in our daily lives or in our culture or in our family or in the way that we practice things or the way that we choose to live right now. And so being distracted from some really basic things that God does, some really basic parts of what, how God wants to interact with us in our daily lives is, is counterproductive, is frustrating to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life and through our life. So, so I want you to think about that. I, I wasn't trying to call anybody out by naming some things off. I don't know. I just try to, I try to throw myself under the bus first so you'd at least feel more comfortable about it because I, I come from a lot of that, all right? That come out of a lot of that. And so I, I definitely don't want you to feel uncomfortable with it, but I, I want you to feel like, okay, this maybe is something I need to examine in my own life and get free from it. Get free from it. I mean, even things that, that they try to make into a joke, like, like a horoscope is kind of a joke, right, to some people? Some people are really serious about it, but... I mean, for a lot of people, it's just kind of a joke, but it's not really a joke. And it's an ancient practice, and it's something that's been done for thousands and thousands of years. It just doesn't happen to be what God's doing. And so the fact that the butler had a good dream, he did have a good dream. We know from the interpretation that the cupbearer, he had a good dream that he was going to get restored and he was heading back to the palace. All right? The baker, on the other hand, not a good dream. Death. Death is coming for the baker. That's what's happening. But you know what? That wasn't Joseph's fault, right? It wasn't Joseph's fault that the one guy had a good one and the other guy had a bad one. That wasn't his fault. He, it didn't have really anything to do with him. They, and what's interesting about it, and I think sometimes we overlook this in the story, because you've heard this story before. So you may have overlooked this in the story. But they both dreamed the dream on the same night. What does that tell you? 
Does that tell you, oh, happenstance? They happened to dream the same dream on the same night? Or do you think something was involved in this? Do you think there was something at play in this? Right. You know, there was, there was a spiritual, there was something spiritual at play in this. God was in the middle of this. They would both dream a disturbing dream on the same night that needed to be interpreted. And so they both came to Joseph and said, here, we had these disturbing dreams. We're anxious about it. I'm upset. I need some help. Both of them did. And so he was able to interpret their dreams at the same time. One, good for you. Two, sorry. Yeah. But, but God was in it. God was in it for both of them. And God was in it that they would do this at the same time and this would take place at the same time, same night, God's moving. And so you see God moving through this. So the last thing he says, and it's, it's a kind of a question, he said God alone interprets dreams. Well, doesn't he? That was basically the question. And it's God alone that interprets dreams. That's, that's what he's trying to state there through that. So God knows what dreams mean. We can't tell what dreams mean, not really. We can fake it, but we really don't know. And so bottom line, God alone in interprets dreams. That belongs to him. He owns that. He owns dream interpretation. That's what he has done. So, But he reveals the interpretations to whomever he pleases. That's the key. So you wonder, it's like, well, how does that guy interpret dreams? Well, there's only one way that guy interprets dreams if it's going to be true, and it's because God gives him the interpretation. That's what Joseph is saying here. And I believe that. I do believe that. I've had dreams my whole life. I, I have dreams that I remember my whole life. And, and I can remember dreams from when I was a little kid. I can remember uh, vivid dreams, dreams that I would wake up in the middle of the night and my, my grandfather would wake up because I would I'd wake up so strongly that he would wake up because he slept in the same room. We both slept in the same room. And he would ask me, He's like, are you okay? And what, were you, what, was, what happened? And I would tell him. He's like, all right, well, you just rest on that. And he'd pray for me to understand what God was saying. Because it wasn't his thing to do that. He's a nice guy. He, he was a, a godly man. He preached the gospel. He pastored a church for 40 years, but that wasn't his thing. And he didn't interpret dreams. And some people just don't. Unless God gives them an interpretation in the moment. And for other people, they do interpret dreams. And as some of you know I interpret dreams. And, and I don't tell anybody that because I'd be doing it 12 hours a day. Literally, when, when I start talking about this, I'll get requests for dream interpretations probably three, four times a day. People will, will send me dream interpretations from their friends to interpret. Because there's a... There's a desire for that. There's a, a need for that. And sometimes it will go through times as a church even where people will be having dreams after dreams after dreams and then nothing for a while. Because God's moving in that time. Just like he moved this night in the jail where these two guys had dreams. Well, sometimes he moves among people, among congregations, among uh, workers or whatever, among Christians, that sometimes they get a bunch of dreams in a row and there's a need for interpretation over time. All right? I can do that. Do you get, um, like, instructed by God at certain times to interpret dreams or to offer to interpret dreams? 
Uh, I wouldn't make it that formal, but I think it comes up in rotations. And so as it comes up in rotations, it seems to coincide with the times of when we're seeing more and more dreams. Okay. I, I don't know that there's a cause and effect to it or there's any, any formal, like I wasn't laying in bed and I didn't hear any, God didn't tell me to start talking about interpreting dreams or anything. It just seems to come up every now and then kind of naturally <laughs> it might be a bad word to use but yeah it just seems to come up in rotation yeah so so the god reveals the interpretation to whoever he pleases dreams joseph believed that dreams came from god that's who they come from and we're talking about joseph last time when his brothers sold him out and and what was part of the problem with him he would get a dream and he would let them know about the dream and what it means. And it, the dream had to do with them bowing down to him or the dream had to do, you know, that kind of thing. And it made him angry. So <laughs> he understood that dreams come from God. Now, you think about those dreams, though, that he had where his brothers are bowing down to him and even his father and mother are bowing down to him. Or his father's bowing down to him. I mean, th th that's what's happening. Well, he got sold into slavery and he's in a prison right now. What would be your, you know, think about this. What would be your confidence level in dreams at this point? If you'd had those dreams. Seriously, I mean, you're in a foreign land. You're in jail. And you've had dreams over your life about your brothers and your, your father bowing down to you. Your father and your brother, your father thinks you're dead. Your brothers sold you into slavery. They certainly weren't bowing down when they did that. You're in jail, and it looks pretty hopeless. But you're still holding on to what? A dream you had? Well, he still believed it. Obviously. He's instructing them on it. You follow? He's telling them how it is. He's like, well, dreams come from God, of course. You see, his past history showed him that. How? <laughs> How? Well, they hadn't yet. Right? Right? But somehow he knew that the interpretation that he had, the dream that he had, was going to come to pass. He just knew. <laughs> to the point that he's instructing these guys on how it's going to come to pass and how God gives dreams. That's how sure he was. I'd have been shaken, personally. I'm sitting in jail, foreign country, Pharaoh's mad at me. It's kind of doom and gloom for me. All right, that's just me. Joseph, he seems happy-go-lucky here, and he's instructing them on what it is that God does with dreams. He's saying, here you go. That's faith. That's just faith. It's just faith. That's faith regardless of circumstance. That's faith regardless of where you happen to be. It's faith in what God has said. It's faith in what God does and how he does things. And he knew it. He knew it. And so he begins to instruct them. He says, dreams come from God. And so his, his thing with them after that was, okay, so tell me your dreams. Tell me your dreams. And so they did. He was speaking from an inward conviction that not only had he dreamed and God had given the interpretation, but it was an inward convic conviction that as they dreamed, God would give him the interpretation. 
He knew it. He just knew it. That's a powerful thing to be able to begin to speak into people's spirits like that. Into their lives. These two guys, I mean, uh, it, it would not appear they would have any faith in Joseph Scott. They've been brought up in the ways of Pharaoh and they've been brought up in the ways of Egypt. They've been brought up in their system of faith and belief. And so they didn't have any practical understanding of the God of Joseph. And they had no reason necessarily to ever believe in him. And so if this was one of those moments where Joseph decided he was just going to tell them all about the, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that it probably wouldn't have meant anything to them. But it wasn't that moment. It was a moment when they had disturbing dreams, when they were anxious, when they were saddened, when they were upset, and Joseph says, I can help you with this. And he showed compassion to them. Now all of a sudden, they want to hear from the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, those are two different circumstances in people's lives. But these are the circumstances I believe God uses. God uses us in those circumstances. He uses his people in those circumstances. Old Testament, New Testament, understanding. I mean, you got Jesus. The, the, there's a girl that's dead in a house, right? They, the, the daughter of Jairus. And he had sent for him. He's one of the rulers of the synagogue. You see, this is a moment of crisis. This is a moment of, of need. And who knows if, if who in that crowd would have ever followed after Jesus. Who knows who in that crowd would have ever listened to anything he had to say. And yet he showed up. He raised that girl from the dead. All of a sudden, everybody wants to hear. They're standing around there. Because a need was met and a need was, was brought forth. And those two circumstances became something else. It wasn't just, hey, let's go listen to this guy. He sounds pretty good. It was, that guy just raised somebody from the dead. Or Lazarus that he raised from the dead. And then he entered into Jerusalem after that. And they were lining the streets, cheering him on, laying their clothing and the palm branches down for him as he entered in. He wasn't just a nice guy that, that taught really well. There was something else about him that people could see and that they needed from him. They wanted from him. And he met him at that point. God gives us those opportunities. If we care, he does. God gives us those opportunities if we're not so distracted that we don't even notice. He does. And where this all starts is an awareness in us. And, and, I, and it was where I started tonight, is the whole idea of, of not convoluting our faith and, and not uh, distracting ourselves from the simplicity of what God wants to do. If you're sick, we have a healer. Now, am I saying never take medicine or go to the doctor? Absolutely not. But my first stop is not going to be at the health food store. My first stop needs to be with my healer. And let's see what happens. Let's see. Or if we have need in our life, whatever that need is, I'm looking for 
you know, provision in my life. I'm going to go to the provider. My first stop isn't going to be to get a loan. I'm going to I'm going to ask my provider first. And I'm going to seek him. Or if I if I'm lonely, I'm going to go to him. And my first stop isn't going to be wherever people go not to be lonely. I'm going to start with him. Whatever my need is, whatever the situation is, he's the stop. He's the one. And if we can begin to discipline ourselves that way, I think we become more aware of when those opportunities arise in other people's lives. It makes us more aware. Joseph, think about it. He had those dreams. I mean, that's probably all he had to hold on to. That's probably all he had. He had that word from God. Like, this is what's going to happen in my life. This is what God has for me. Well, I'm in a prison, I know, but this is what God has for me. I, I, Pharaoh's mad at me, I know. This is what he has for me. I'm falsely accused. My reputation is ruined. That's right, but this is what God has for me. And he held on to that. And so these two guys like, oh, we had these dreams. Well, I serve a God who gives dreams. I serve a God who interprets dreams. Dreams come from God. He's believing that and he's living that right that second. And so when they came to him, there was no hesitation. He wasn't trying to figure out a way to get an, an Egyptian interpreter in there. He's like, I got this because I live this. This is, this is my life. This is my hope. This is my future. This is, this is what I'm holding on to. This is me. Right? If, if we're serving a God that heals us in our body because we ask him, we run across somebody that's sick, our first recommendation in that great doctor that's across town, but I, God's healed me and God is healing me, so I got this. Let's pray for this right now. All right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that great doctor across town. And please don't misinterpret what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that we have someone close to us who desires to move in our lives. But not only does he desire to move in my life, he desires that, I allow, that I'm a participant in seeing that move in somebody else's life. Because that's their point of need. So if you're following what I'm saying... I'm saying that it needs to start with me and you. And then I believe, and I'm going to stick by this, we're just more aware. And we're more willing to see that happen in other people's lives. So let's just take a couple moments. And I just want to encourage you to respond to to you and to your place before God right now. If you need to deal with some superstition in your life, then do it. Do it. No judgment, all right, at all. This needs to be done. And it needs to be set aside and done away with so that we're just experiencing more of what God has for us. That we're not trying to make something up in between. We're not trying to make something else happen. We're not trying to create something else. He, he has provided for us. And let's receive of that provision in our life. Openly and cleanly receive of it. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that you cleanse your people. I pray a cleansing over our hearts and our minds. 
from superstition, whatever it is, wherever it comes from. God, old things, new things. Whatever it is, I just pray that you would uh, reveal areas of superstition in our lives, and I pray, God, that you would cleanse us in the name of Jesus. That, Lord, as we confess that you're faithful and you're just and you forgive us and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So I pray, God, that you would cleanse us of superstitious ways, superstitious practices, things that maybe carried on from our childhood or maybe things we've picked up recently. But, God, I just ask you that you would bring cleansing over us and freedom and liberty into our lives. For God, I, I pray that we are open to your move, that we are aware of your presence, and I ask you that you would teach us to depend on you more and more every day, to depend on you for healing, to depend on you for wisdom, to depend on you for leading, to depend on you to guide us, to depend on you for protection, to depend on you, God, to give wisdom where wisdom is needed. Father, I just pray that we would learn to go to you. You say we're to abide in you. I pray that we learn to abide in you, to find our life in you. And if it starts with the small things, so be it. I pray it moves to the big things. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Pray that we be open to what you want to say and how you want to say it. Thank you, God. Yeah. Teach your people, God. Reveal. Pray that you lead us and you guide us by your Holy Spirit. We'll give you honor and praise tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.